This is TK331, a Star Wars EU slash Legends podcast. I'm Crystal, a Star Wars enthusiast, but I've never read a thing I liked that I couldn't complain about a little bit. And I'm Thomas, a Star Wars completionist who has previously read the entirety of the EU. What are we talking about? Well, today, on this very special Valentine's Day episode... The Holiday of Love. We are reading Star Wars Union, issues number one through four. Written by Michael A. Stackpole, illustrated by Robert Teranishi, digital inks and color rendering by Christopher Chuckry. Vicky Williams was the letterer for issues one, three, and four, while Almodor Cisneros and Digital Broom did issue number two. Edited by Pete Jaynes, and the cover-up was done by Duncan Figueroa. It was published by Dark Horse Comics, with issue number one coming out in November 99, and the rest of the series was was released monthly through February 2000. Is Digital Broom a person's name? I think. Wow. That's a Y2K-sounding name. (laughs) It's probably a handle they go by or something. Probably. (laughs) It's just interesting. Broom is spelled like B-R-O-O-M-E, so if it was paired with like a quote-unquote typical name, it would seem like a typical name, but because it's paired with digital, it made me made me look around. We have read six books written by Michael A. Stackpole for this podcast, but this is the first comic series that we've discussed for the podcast by him. Other comics he's written for Star Wars include X-Wing Rogue Squadron, Battle for Theed, and he also co-wrote Mara Jade by the Emperor's Hand with Timothy Zahn. Robert Terranishi has penciled several other Star Wars comics, Life, Death, and the Living Force, Episode 1, Qui-Gon Jinn, Moment of Doubt, and Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, one half. Christopher Chuckery was the colorer for several other Star Wars comics, including multiple issues of Empire, Purge, and Issue of Republic. Revenge of the Sith, Episode 1, Qui-Gon Jinn, Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, one half, and Life, Death, and the Living Force, and an issue of Dark Times. Vicki Williams was the letterer for Boba Fett, one half, multiple issues of Star Wars Tales, Multiple issues of Star Wars, 1998, Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, one half, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Qui-Gon Jinn, Queen Amidala, and Anakin Skywalker, multiple issues of X-Wing, Rogue Squadron, and multiple issues of Chewbacca. Duncan Figrito did the cover art for several different comic series and was also a storyboard artist for Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. And I really just have to ask, why is it one half? I think that was... Do you mean it's issue one out of two? No, one half is what it said. So it could be a couple of things. I I haven't read this in a long time. It could A, be something for younger readers. B, it could be something like set right around the Phantom Menace, like right before it goes into the story. Hmm. Or sometimes long ongoing comic series will like partway through will have like a special... 0.5 issue that guy flashes back to earlier events mm. in the timeline. Okay. It, 0.5 makes more sense to me than one half for whatever reason. Yeah, it, I would Maybe agree. because issue number one, issue number 1.5 would make more sense to me than... Issue number one half. One and a half. Yeah. That makes it sound like it's half of a comic. Maybe they were. Maybe some of these were literally 10-page comics telling short stories around at the time of episode one. Again, I haven't read this in a long time, so I, I don't remember. Okay. The galaxy is ready to celebrate the wedding of Luke Skywalker and Mara Jade. Many see this marriage as a union between the Imperial and New Republic ways of life, but Luke and Mara just want a quiet celebration of the two of them. But not everyone is so excited, and there are some Imperials who will do whatever they can to disrupt the wedding. It's been a while since we read a comic for this podcast. How are we feeling about changing mediums and reading about Luke and Mara's nuptials? Conflicted. 
I was kind of hoping this was going to be the start of the thing that you've talked about before, where you really like Luke and Mara when they're together. And it's not so much about the relationship buildup for you. So I was kind of hoping it was going to be the start of that for me. On the flip side, I hadn't actually read a comic in quite a while. I don't know quite how long, maybe about a year. I would say at least, probably more. Before reading this, and I did not anticipate how hard it was going to be for me to read it. Not because it's bad, but because apparently I have image dyslexia. (laughs) If you're not used to reading comics, there are certain pages in these four issues that are difficult to follow the timeline of action, if that makes sense. Yeah. At a certain point, when I was reading issue two, I just like let the iPad fall into my lap, and I was just like, I just can't do this. Like, why am I so stupid? <laughs> You're not stupid. You're just not very comic literate, is what I would say. No, I'm not. And there have there have been other comics that have been easier for me to read since reading this one. And I think it's a, it's a lot about the layout for me. I, this... I agree. I, even I agree. There are some pages I'm like, there's a. I can follow the action, but it's not the easiest thing to follow. Yeah. How many times have you read this comic run? And were you looking forward to reading it again? So this isn't one that I owned growing up. So... Because it was gross and about love and it was therefore for girls? No. I just didn't have that many (laughs) comics, to be honest. Most of the comics I have are from the early to mid-90s. Dark Empire, Tales of the Jedi, Shadows of the Empire. This being coming out in 99-2000, I don't have a lot of comics any from that era oh interesting i would practically think you were prime comic age then i was but comics are an expensive habit oh especially back then for a young kid it's much easier today with something like marvel unlimited where i pay i think it's 70 bucks a year or something yeah which to a kid is still a lot but i have access to everything almost New releases I don't get, but I get them like three months after the fact, I think. And for $70 in cold hard cash, you could not get that many comics. Oh, God, no. Not, not even but, close. Like you would get what? like By today's prices? Maybe seven runs or something at most. Most comics today, they're I think four to $5. Per? Per issue. Leaflet? Yeah. Jesus. It's Wowzers, bowsers, it, that's a lot. Inflation's inflation's terrible yeah it is so it's it's not an easy thing to keep up with that being said if you to my knowledge this still exists but at least back in the day i know for sure you could have like subscriptions to an ongoing like avengers comic and that would usually get you some kind of discount mm. um it's so, like you know every month you would get the new um, avengers comic and it'd be less than the cover price kind of like you would order magazines back in the day like i used to have um game informer and electronic and monthly when i was younger and each one to buy individually off a stand was I forget what the price was, but if I had a subscription to them, it was significantly cheaper for each issue. You're looking like I'm a crazy person. Oh, well, I like how you said, like, you know how you would buy magazines as a kid? And I was thinking to myself, like, you no, did? no, that was no. definitely not part of my life. That was one thing my parents would often do for Christmas for the three of us is they would give us a, a subscription for a magazine of our choice. Maybe magazines were trending out like I'm a little bit younger than you. You are, um, and I, I don't think most kids my age did that now that I think back on it. Yeah, I think that was a weird, your family thing. Well, I, I think like when I was younger, it was a lot of things like National Geographic, uh-huh. like more educational type things to get interested in certain in different things and yeah. whatnot. Yeah, but that, yeah, that's no. How, that's how my parents were. That was not at all 
something that happened in my household. And then as for the, if I was looking forward to reading this again, yes. Like I said, I haven't read this one very many times, so I don't have huge memories locked with this one. I remember the general story of it, but not all the little details. So it's it's kind of fun rereading a comic I don't know super well. So yeah, I was definitely looking forward to reading it again. Cool. Okay, so starting with issue number one, let's talk about what do we see on the cover of this thing? I feel like I must have registered this at some point in the past because we've read comics for the podcast before. It really throws me off how different cover art Yes. Is from the interior art. It's usually much more detailed than what we see on the inside. So usually the cover artist is different than the artist inside. Yeah. Like, for, this is their career, is, there, is being a, co- a cover artist for a comic rather than being the artist in the book itself. Yeah. Other things that throw me off about this cover. I'll describe it, even though it will give me great pain. So both Luke and Mara are kind of facing right. Luke is behind Mara, kind of embracing her. And stroking her face. And Mara's face is turned back towards Luke, and her hair is kind of blowing in the wind. They look like a very loving, happy couple. I will say that her hair is the right color here. It's not the right color in the interior of any of these comics. But whatever. Who's to say what the right color is? I just always imagined her having very dark red, like almost auburn hair. I don't feel like her hair is the right texture. It looks like she's had a blowout. And this is just a continuation of me complaining about the way the hair is done in Star Wars. (laughs) I'll have more of that in a later episode, too. (laughs) Looking forward to that. Yeah, I I think Mar looks pretty good. Luke's face, on the other hand... Luke's head is too big. Also kind of looks almost squished. The face, at least. Yeah. I'm also, like, the, the arms are a little... Placement wise, they feel a little off to me. But here's the biggest problem. Okay, so they're standing on like they're on, they're on Coruscant outside. Yeah, and a bunch of like X wings are flying and in, ties and ties are flying in the background. Symbolize the union of the two sides. But here's the problem that I was introduced to very quickly by looking at this cover. I have a hard time imagining Luke and Mara doing any lovey dovey stuff. At really? All. Yeah. My mind is having a a bit of a problem. Wow. Okay, that's never been a thing for me, but all right. Yeah, I just, I looked at this image the first time. It took some getting used to for me is what I will say, but now it feels very natural. I looked at this image the first time and I was like, I mean, I knew it was about their impending marriage, and I knew that they were going to do couple PDA, probably, and yet. Uh, To me, I feel like privately is when they'll be like this. Yes, but I found, spoilers, as the comic progressed, anytime there was a scene like that, uh, it it felt weird. It felt weird to me. I don't think you said that when you were reading Probably it. Probably because the romance wasn't properly established. Ouch. What a concept. <laughs> well, are you ready to get into the issue itself? What is So I'm, I'm laughing at your first bullet point in the notes outline because you've written Luke and Mara romantically watch the sunrise. Am I wrong? It's a weird, so it's a weird placement of the word romantically. Watch the sunrise romantically? Would you prefer that? No, I I just don't feel like I don't feel like there's a way to watch the sunrise romantically. Really? No. Okay. You're not a morning person. You can lean romantically against your partner while watching the sunrise. 
But watching the sunrise is not an inherently romantic okay. activity. Okay. And the bigger problem with this is really that Luke is wearing shorts. <laughs> so is Mara for the record. Yeah, Mara can pull off shorts. I don't want to see that much of Luke's legs. <laughs> I'd never imagined him wearing a cargo short. Yeah, that's... This is almost like how, you know how some people have a problem with Zahn putting hot chocolate in Star Wars? Apparently I have an issue with somebody putting cargo shorts in Star Wars. Specifically on Luke. Yeah. Cargo shorts, a place like they are on Yavin 4, it, I feel like that's actually a good place where you would want that kind of thing. Yeah, it's just Luke has been shrouded in this like black robe for approximately 15 years and I, I really like I didn't want to know what was going on under there and I still don't, <laughs> it turns out. Mara says, the end of the war with the Empire makes it even better. The sunrise. The sunrise. Luke says the war was all he knew his adult life. He doesn't miss the fight, but he does miss the friends that he lost during it. Luke says Mara saying yes to marriage is the best thing that's ever happened to him. Mara has no regrets either, but has some worries about just the event itself. She just really wants a small wedding. But Leia is saying the Union can be seen as a symbol to help the Rebel and Imperial Rift heal. Mara says she can tolerate the attention on their wedding so long as there isn't any on their honeymoon, and Luke agrees. They want some private time. Fair enough. Why? What? What's wrong with who I just said? I just, again, I was introduced very quickly to, ooh, I'm just not ready for them to, like, touch each other. (laughs) (laughs) They're about to be married. You gotta get over that. I'm still back at the part where they were, like, being very snippy with each other, and I'm kind of missing that right now. (laughs) Mara worries about the wedding itself, but Luke says everything will be fine. Mara says she loves how Luke can still be so naive after all these years. I will say I do identify with Mara a lot. I thought you would. (laughs) In this moment. It has to also be said that, like... In this scene, there's just a bird kind of hanging out on Luke's hand. Luke is, again, sort of like hugging Mara from behind. But one of his hands is out, and there's just a bird on there. I mean, Mara had just had birds in her hand on the previous page. I know. I assume it's one of them. I never imagined them as being druids. To me, this is a more artistic interpretation of showing how happy they are, because think about how often in media... Like they're Twitter-pated, so there are birds everywhere. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that exact, but, but like in stories, like you're so happy when there's like a, a blue jay on your hand, and like you're, you're singing happily to it. What? Not a blue jay, sorry, like a little blue bird. No? That makes it less confusing? What do you mean sometimes in stories there's a bird on your hand and you're singing to it? Disney princess, like old Disney princess stories type thing. But never in, like, a book. This is a comic. There is visual as well as the text. We just disagree on what should be represented <laughs> in the visual. I didn't say I like or dislike this. I'm just, I, think that's, I think that's where that idea comes from, of her playing with the birds and then it being on Luke's hand. Okay. The faces are also stressing me out a little bit. Mara's hair is the wrong color. It's so orange. A little bit. <laughs> On Coruscant, Leia announces that Luke and Mara are getting married. The press has questions that she doesn't want to deal with. So, she has 3PO take the questions instead. He's been waiting for this opportunity his entire life. And you know what? I'm so happy she takes 3PO on the press. I love this. Yeah, they deserve it. Yeah. But also, I'm like, why did they... I don't feel like they had to make an announcement about this. I think they should have gone the just do it and ask for forgiveness later route. I, well, it's like, like Mara had to 
this can be seen as a way to help heal the Imperial Republic Rift. To do that, people need to know about it. It doesn't feel that way to me, though, because she was. it's not like she was known as the Emperor's Hand. But a lot of people... She hasn't been involved with the Empire since the Emperor was alive. That's true. But a lot of people, especially on the Imperial side of things, I think, see her as not in current Imperial, but more on their side than the Republic side. I wouldn't think they would see her that way. I'd think they would see her as a traitor. Like, quite literally a blood traitor. Some of them probably do. Some of them, some of them do. Yeah, it's just... This whole, like, it's the marriage of the Empire and the New Republic really didn't work for me. Okay. It doesn't make sense to me. The twins, Jason and Jaina, ask if they can come to the wedding, and Leia says yes. And they get new dress-up clothes as well. Jason asks if his dad's getting new clothes too, and Leia says yes. Han says only because it's Luke's wedding. He wants his vest all day long. (laughs) (laughs) His vest and his jacket. The news spreads throughout the galaxy. We see the Antilles household, Rogue Squadron, Booster and Card, and the Academy. In the Horn household, Corrin says it was obvious to everyone but Luke and Mara that they were made for each other, which Uh, really just feels like Stackpole is... He certainly wrote iJedi that way, let's be honest. (laughs) On Yavin 4... Cam and Tion discuss going to the wedding and leaving Ganner and Worth in charge. This is the first mention of Ganner, and I'm pretty sure Worth as well. And Ganner especially is going to be a major character in the New Jedi Order. And there are some people who think he is the single greatest arc in Star Wars. Wow. With a name like that, I wouldn't have guessed. Uh, Here's all I will say. I hate Ganner when we first meet him. Oh, wow. My feelings change as the series progresses is all I will say until we get there in a couple years. Okay. How's that for a tease? I'll forget about it <laughs> within approximately 48 hours. Okay. Just wait. Just Han, you wait. Han recommends to Luke that he and Mara elope. The wedding is quickly getting out of control with how many people want to be there. And I think you're on Han's side for this one. Yes. Han and Mara understand me. <laughs> <laughs> Mara tries on wedding dresses with Leia's help. She tries on several dresses and storms off, and who can blame her because they are all garbage. Everyone basically wants a piece of this action since it was announced. Like, all of the dress designers from various factions are coming out of the woodwork, and they basically want to see Mara dressed the way that their culture or group or corporation or whatever would want her to be dressed, and... There's a poofy green insect-looking dress. I love that one. There is a literal sack. There is... I actually like this one the best. It's, like, very extra, but she... The purple one? Yeah, the purple one that's very, like, tightly fit and kind of corseted, and then she has this enormous feathery, ruffly crown. Almost like a bird? Yeah, she looks like a bird. There's one where she looks like a Sith Lord. It's kind of amazing. Well, because an Imperial is the one who has pitched that dress. And so, understandably, Mara is like, no, (laughs) I'm out. She thinks that planning a wedding isn't as easy as saving a galaxy. She does appreciate that Leia and the rest are trying to make her feel like family and to give her the life that Palpatine denied her. After leaving, Mara finds someone crying outside and asks if she's all right. And the woman says that she has a broken heart. She was a designer and wanted to present a gown to Mara Jade. But she was laughed at by Venar, one of the designers Mara had just met with. Mara looks at the designs that this woman has and says, you know what? I could wear this. I like this. And the designer's like, if only you were Mara Jade. And I was like, I am Mara Jade. 
The designer introduces herself as Jari Kin, and she will make Mara's dress for her wedding. Problem solved. Just got to find a woman crying on the street. Isn't that how we solve all problems in Star Wars? Crying women on the street? Yeah. Yeah. Corin and Cam Solusar spar and talk about married life. Cam is now married to Tion. Happened off page. I'm pretty sure there wasn't even a comic that talks about that. You know what else happened off page? Cam transformed into Bruce Willis. <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah. When I, when I was reading this issue, Tom was like, let me know when you get to the celebrity cameo. And I was like, uh, I'm not even going to notice. Like, I don't pick up on that stuff. We had just watched Die Hard. And now. then I got to that page and I was like, why is he here? <laughs> like, why is Cam Solazar Bruce Willis? He's John McClane. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> but also he's married to Tion, which uh, just happened off page mm-hmm. completely. I feel like sometimes in these big stories with all these characters, you get to a certain point and people feel like we just got to start pairing them off. They're untidy, drifting about, unattached. It's that or like, it's kind of to me almost like um, a D&D campaign where the team's like, okay, the world is progressing. What are these characters doing with their lives? In some cases, they're getting married. In other cases, they're off having adventures that we're not seeing, but they're doing stuff in the galaxy. Yeah. I guess it's also still just weird to me because... I continue to have the very prequel mindset of like this. No marriage. <laughs> this came out shortly after episode one. Uh huh. So they were they were already kind of locked in. <laughs> yeah. And George didn't bother to. Well, there's it actually was too com- late, I guess. <laughs> there was a comment Luke does make somewhere in this series that I appreciate about about marriage yeah. and the. Um, I feel like they pre- threw that era. in there just to. Uh, absolutely, that it was put in there. But also, let's be honest. The no marriage thing, I don't even actually remember if that was mentioned in episode one. Or if it was, it was in passing at best. It's episode two, where the forbidden attachment really comes to the forefront because of Anakin and Padme. I guess that's true. The only way you can really interpret it in episode one is just that literally none of the Jedi are attached. That we know of. Like, we only really see Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan for the most part, and Obi-Wan is, let's be honest, way too young. And Qui-Gon's kind of... I I don't think Padawans would. I think that'd be kind of weird. No. People get married in undergraduate school I know. all the time. I know. Especially I'm just saying. And, and also, I think Qui-Gon, he's kind of a weird guy. Like, it, it, wouldn't, it didn't surprise me that he was not with someone, or that we saw he was ever with someone. I also thought he and Shmi would end up together before he was stabbed. But that's beside the point. I mean, they did end up together, just for one night. Yeah. <laughs> Luke is watching and says that Cam and Tion's ceremony was great. He hopes Tion will help with his, and Cam says he knows she'll be overjoyed to help. This whole conversation gave me the vibes of like, oh my god. The wedding is like, I didn't get the sense that this this arc, the four issues, took place over many months or anything. I got the sense that it took place over like, at most, many weeks. And so they're having this conversation, and I was like, bud, if you have not figured out what your ceremony looks like by now, you are in deep trouble deep doo-doo yeah and also like it's hilarious to me that he's just like oh we'll just like throw something together it's such a man thing to do with a wedding guilty luke says so much has been lost there's even a question of whether or not the jedi council allowed jedi to marry there's the thing we were just talking about yep corin says his grandparents were married and luke says you know, your grandparents were Corellian Jedi, and Corellian Jedi were known to be weird, which is the exact reason I've given to you about those grandparents being married, and you never liked it, but it's canon to the EU. I even wrote in my very few notes, uh, Corellian Jedi mentioned. 
Because I feel like they always have to bring it up. Yeah, because they, like, I don't blame Stackpole for this. I blame George entirely. He didn't tell the writers this. Well, he didn't know. Yeah, he he didn't. He 100,000% didn't know. He didn't know. So, like, this is this is how you get around that. And I, I'm i okay with Corellian Jedi being known as weirdos, because Corellians are kind of weird. Han, Wedge, Corrin, they're all kind of weird. Everybody on Star Wars is kind of weird, Tom. Fair enough. But I'm just saying that Corellians are known for that independent streak, so if there was a Jedi to marry, it would be a Corellian. I guess. Also, thinking of the prequel Jedi, Kia Di Mundi was married and was on the council. It's just his species required it. I didn't get the impression that he was married. Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. See, my impression was just that he had a kind of license no, I, to I, populate I, I, his species. I, I think he has five or six wives, if I remember correctly. Uh, see, that's why I thought he had a license. Yeah, because, because it's too many. In their species, the males, it's like 10% of the population are male or something. So, to continue their species. So, if this one guy doesn't get to, you know, yes. then so, they'll die out. So, there were can't exceptions. live without that one guy. Same. <laughs> Just saying, there were exceptions. <laughs> I shouldn't say that I'm 100,000% sure that George didn't know. Because I, I can't possibly be that sure. It's just that, like, based on the way that he does things and the way that he just sort of says things off the cuff, my my educated guess is that he did not know. Or he did and then changed his mind. Multiple he, he's done, Yeah, he's done that. We've seen, God knows, we've seen that Clone Wars being the easiest example of that timeline. Yeah. Korn suggests the Jedi could do a more private ceremony for Luke and Mara, similar to how he and Merrick are married by Wedge, and then have the big ceremony for the rest of the galaxy. Luke is unsure if he wants to keep the Jedi separate from the public. And I, I really love the suggestion by Korn, but I also get Luke's hesitation of he doesn't want to insulate them from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was the issue with the prequel Jedi. They were too insular. And I think Luke is learning. At this point, I think George knew that was the direction to take the prequel trilogy. And I think he may have even told Stackpole and or other writers this, you know, if you're going to reference this kind of thing, if you can work this in, do it. I, I think is what happened here. Maybe. Because it, it fits so perfectly. And this is an era where George did have a much better idea, obviously. So that's why I think he would have told Stackpole and others. I kind of don't think so, because this was already the trajectory that Luke was going in. It was. Like, he has whole conversations in the books that run previous to this about, like, Mon Mothma telling him, like, what are the Jedi going to be? Are they just going to be monks in a secluded temple, or are they going to be, you know, politicians and cab drivers? <laughs> Maybe yeah, that, not cab that, that, drivers. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> and other stuff. Like, I feel like that line of thinking has already come up a lot. And it has. It's just a natural trajectory. Yeah. It's just, it feels like combined with the line about the Jedi Council not allowing Jedi to marry. Because like this is in that same conversation is why I feel like I could believe George. I guess. It's kind of hard for me to imagine at this point, in this particular year, George making any time to say anything about this comic. I feel like if there was a comic he would have said something about that would be this one, given what the subject matter is. It's not just like the ongoing Star Wars comic. This is Luke and Mara's wedding. This is... I don't think he would care. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? I'm at, thinking if was, at, if it, at best, he would care that like he may be thinking about doing a sequel trilogy someday, and that he's just like they can do whatever they want, but I'm just going to write over it. That is true. On Dulles Three, Banner Sumptor isn't happy. The Star Wars names sometimes are like really, they're really Star Warsy Star Wars names. <laughs> he serves the Empire. Things aren't going well for him and others under this new piece. At the bar, he and others watch the engagement announcement. One of the people there is Moff Takar. 
He says that they can use this to their advantage. He convinces many that the time to strike is now. I wrote in my notes, some Imperials, disgruntled, are plotting to mess with the wedding. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that tracks. That feels right. Luke tells R2 that it'd be part of the ceremony as the ring bearer. I love that R2 is doing this. Not your niece or nephews, but your droid. Yep. I think it makes sense. It's fair. R2 was there for their... For everything. Courtship, such as it was. Mara tells Luke that while she doesn't have a dress yet, she has a designer that she's very happy with. And this continued the kind of like lovey-dovey stuff that I was just like... I'm not I'm not there with you guys. I'm totally on board with it when they are in private like this. Doesn't bother me in the slightest. It doesn't you're you are misunderstanding the issue for me. Okay. It is not about private versus public. I know. I know to, to me if they're doing this in public it'd feel a little weird, but in private, it makes sense to me. There's no place where them them like touching each other and stuff you're makes sense have to, to me get right used now. To that. Yeah, I'm Spoilers, I'm, they have a child someday. I'm aware. But, like, it wasn't set up in the right way. So I'm not there. Okay. Like, they didn't take me there. Okay. So that wraps up the first issue. So now, let's talk about issue number two. First, as always, what does the cover look like? It's just a scrum. It's a bar fight. Chewie and Han are they're chucking knuckles. Han is punching what looks like a Trandoshan. Luke and Lando are kind of in the background. Luke is wearing the weirdest, like, Letterman jacket yeah. thing. Letterman jacket with a collar? It's very preppy looking. It is very preppy looking. His hair looks very preppy, too. He looks like he came straight out of the 1950s. I mean, in some ways Luke did, let's be honest. No, he's supposed to be a 70s boy. He's supposed to have that long, floppy hair. And Chewie is properly just enjoying himself, throwing people around. Yeah, he looks like he's having a good time. There's glasses flying through the air. Luke has a dream flash vision of people he's known. Enemies, people he's killed, people he's failed. And it's just a very kind of dark opening to this. Like the very first page, you see dead bodies, a stormtrooper, spiked vines wrapping around the body. Like, it's pretty grim and dark. Yeah, the colors are all very, like, Mustafarian. It's black and Ooh, red. I like that. Even before we didn't knew what was thinking, yeah, it is very yeah. Mustafarian. <laughs> like, he sees Tarkin, Owen and Beru, of course, Palpatine and his lightning fingers. <laughs> Vader, just fat. Just, you know, everyone from... It's kind of like goes back to that conversation he had with Mara, thinking about the end of the war. Like, he's... And all the people he lost. Yeah. Yeah. This was the first scene, actually, when he wakes up that made me think, right, we're writing this in the 90s. People aren't allowed to live together before they get married. Yeah. Because he's waking up alone. Like, R2 is there, standing at his bedside. A loyal little droid. (laughs) But he is alone. Yeah. And in a later issue, Mara wakes up also alone. And I was just like, you two do not know what you're getting yourselves into. You just do not understand. (laughs) Well, it was funny, like, thinking back to, like, the Callisto Chronicles. She was staying at his place, full stop. Well, yeah, because... She didn't have a place to live. <laughs> yeah, because she's like a woman out of time. And also, like, they already did it in the Force or whatever. So, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just like... It's, the 90s were a weird time of, like... They were kind of like... They, they, couldn't, they couldn't say it explicitly. She was living at the Academy. Yeah. Or, like, they couldn't That's show different. it explicitly in a comic. Whereas today, 
we see that kind of thing. I'm sure that that type of thing was shown in some places, but for whatever reason, Star Wars at this time was so puritanical. Like, you have suggested to me before that Han and Leia have sex for the first time in the Truce of Bakura. That, that's how the scene reads to me. And that sounds absolutely insane to me. But I'm a modern woman. <laughs> Fair enough. But like, you, you know the scene I'm talking about. Like, Chewie set up the pillows for it. Well, like, this is exactly why I feel like it can't possibly have been the first time that they did it. Because what an awkward setting in which to do it for the first time. <laughs> it reminds me of like, well, like when, when a Han's, ball pit. When, when Han first saw it, he was kind of like, this is not what I had in mind, Chewie. And to me, that's like, that reads like this is not what he had in mind for his first time with Leia. Is how I read to that. To me, that read as like, not what he had in mind for like re-establishing his physical relationship with Leia because he's been in carbonite. Are so, you telling me they did not do anything on their way to Bespin? <laughs> I, I don't think so. They I, were flying bored out of their minds for weeks. <laughs> I don't think, I, I, I think actually if there's a place where they would have, it would have been on Endor. On Endor. Okay. I, I think that would make a lot of sense. And of course, obviously in under Disney, that is true. That is where they get married. And I believe that is um, where uh, Ben comes from. <laughs> where he comes from. He just springs out of a, out of a tree. <laughs> but like, to, to me, Endor w- does make sense. But the way Truce Bakura reads, that feels like the first time. Okay. It's not my headcanon. That, that's perfectly fair. And to me in the EU, it is. But to me, of course, under Disney, Endor is first. Okay. All right. We got to stop talking about these, okay. these characters having sex because clearly George doesn't want us to talk about it. <laughs> Other than Anakin and Padme. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, they're so dirty. Look at the shameful thing that they did. It's so unacceptable. Don't look, but look. That does remind me of, was it Brotherhood? When Anakin and Padme had that date and ended up in the car? Yes. <laughs> One of the most scandalous scenes in Star Wars. I think the most scandalous scene in Star Wars is that insane dominatrix dress that she chose to wear at the the lake house on Naboo. (laughs) Like, she says a lot of things during that conversation about how she doesn't want to move forward with this. But she chose to wear that! I'm not a person who's like, you were asking for it because you were wearing X. No, absolutely not. That is not at all what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, she was the older person in that room. She knew what her costumes were. Like, there's so much about Padme that is about, like, what does this costume inspire in the person that I am talking to, negotiating with, manipulating, etc. The um, the E.K. Johnson Padme trilogy does that, I think, better than anyone else. So why on earth does she have that dress? That or, is an ins- or like the... that. No offense to Natalie Portman. She doesn't have cleavage to speak of, and yet, that dress. <laughs> or, or like the scene when he's talking about sand and stroking your shoulder. That's a bareback dress. Just and- like... It's a beautiful dress. Don't get, it looks great on her. But like, if I'm just saying, if, I feel like she knew what she was doing. If, I feel like she. If knew you were around wanted. someone, you were trying to. You're trying to cool off on brakes. that person. You would not have worn something like that. I would be dressed in like a turtleneck. Yeah, I would be wearing a sports bra. I would not be doing my hair. <laughs> I would not be wearing makeup. Like, it's just, well. There's also, of course, a scandalous scene in another story, but we'll be reading in the near future. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, because I've already read it. Okay, let's get back on track here. <laughs> Come on. 
<laughs> Weeknight recording sessions can be really wacky sometimes. <laughs> the Imperials have arrived on Coruscant. Moff Takar is not with them. He's traveling and staying in much nicer accommodations, which... For Imperial leadership tracks, yeah. you grunts go the hard way, and I'll, I'll take the nice things. I'll take the high road, and you take the low road. <laughs> Mara, Leia, Mirix, and Laela. Remember all of those characters from the X-Men books, of course. Discuss fashion, families, children, and husbands. The Imperials watch them from afar, determining how best to attack. One of them hates what Coruscant has become. You know, it's this was the center of the Empire, and now it's this. A Aliens playground walking. for the liberal rebels. Yeah. <laughs> he says the rebels have made it political, not historical. Because, yeah, Palpatine's real, not political at all. No, not biased. Cam marries Luke and Mara in front of the rest of the Jedi. So I guess they've decided to go with the... Uh, yeah, I, I like this. I do like this scene a lot. Yeah, there's something for them. They yeah. talked earlier about how, like, part of it is that the Jedi are so mysterious to the public, and while Luke wants to include them, include the public in the Jedi ways, other people propose to him that, like, you might end up isolating them more because our ways are so weird. Like, they don't understand us. They're crazy monks. Yeah. <laughs> Cam mentions that attachment was thought to make a Jedi vulnerable, but these two strengthen each other by being together. I love that as a way to get around what the prequel Jedi preach about attachment. Hmm. I think it makes sense. Rules lawyering. Yep. Mara talks about how despite wanting to kill Luke when they first met, he accepted her like no one else ever had. Luke talks about not fearing her when they met. The Force brought them together and kept bringing them together. So I just want to say real fast, I know you've had issues with... Especially recently, Luke and Mara. But of course, you, you loved how they first met back in the day. Yeah. I really love how they both referenced that. that yeah, is... I'm glad they don't try to sweep it under the rug. I mean, she did want to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a defining part of their relationship early on. Yeah. They float two halves of a crystal together, and Cam declares them married. The other Jedi raise their lightsabers in tribute and celebration, and Luke and Mara look happy. So, at this point in time... Kyber crystals exist in the EU. In fact, they've existed since the 70s. In Splinter of the Mind's Eye, there is a Kyber crystal spelled very differently, but that's that's the genesis of what these are. How is it spelled? It's like Kybar or something. Oh, weird. So they, they don't say this is a Kyber crystal, but to me, there's no question. This is a Kyber crystal that they're uniting. Yeah. Right? I, I love the symbology of it. I mean, they probably didn't know that at the time, but, like, no, but we like can it, interpret it whichever way it, we want. It's one of those things where, like, it, it's kind of one of those happy accents we've met up, talked about in how certain 90s stories just match up so well with the prequel era. This crystal joining together is one of those to me. Yeah. Han takes Luke to the Red Rancor for a bachelor party. Luke is unsure of going to it. He's heard bad things about this place. Chewie, Lando, some of the rogues, Cam, and others are there. They all sort of stand up when... Luke and Han enter and I got the sensation that I was supposed to recognize a lot of these people at least in part based on like how they addressed Luke and I did recognize some of them because of that but um it's it it was hard like their faces even for me it's hard their faces are all so small I just want to actually take a step back real fast to the wedding it is funny seeing Bruce Willis marry Luke and Mara that's all I want to say Also, there are a couple of times throughout these issues where Mara's smile is very scary. It's it's like Sam Regal. Yeah, just all the teeth. It's just so many teeth, and it freaks me out a little bit. Anyway, back to my complaints. There's just a, there's a group of like twelve people like, here. That's Lando. That's Card. Uh, 
Han, obviously. Is that Kyle Katarn? That might be. So these two are talking to each other, and so I figured out that I guess that's Cam. <laughs> it's hard to tell. Yeah. Wed- this is Wedge. Okay. That's Corrin, I'm pretty sure. Tycho maybe in that case, if it's Wedge and Corrin? Okay, yeah. Like a card, I think. Or is that card? One of those two is card. They're both like Doctor Strange looking people. I I think this one's got longer hair in person, so that's card. Okay. (laughs) And that person's not... Oh, he is saying something. Miss a party for a rogue, not possible. It's got to be a rogue. Uh, Wes Jansen? Yeah. Hobby? Yeah. That's probably Hobby and Wes, I would bet. Okay, yeah. That's the one I'm not sure of. Like I said, that might be kind of the time, but was he here for that? I, yeah, I don't know. I was like, you expect me to, like, can you please label them? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know like, who they are. One, one thing, this doesn't happen all the time, but uh, sometimes in big superhero comic crossovers, at least on Marvel side, I should say, I read much more Marvel than I do DC and others. They'll have, on these big splash pages, sometimes they will label everyone, especially when, like, their masks are off. And I'm so thankful for it. Yeah, yeah, that would really help me. <laughs> Labels in a comic. Like, everyone has a different, like, even if you were familiar with these people, every artist has a different style. Yeah. Like, Lando does not look like he has some recognizable features, like the cape. Yeah. You know? And the mustache. And being, you know, the only black man in the room for some weird reason. And even with the lighting, though, like, his skin doesn't look. That's true. Like he doesn't. He doesn't look. They all kind of look orange in this light. It's, it's yeah. like it's, it's, I assume because it's the red rancor. It's just red lighting in the bar. That's that's fair. why they all look I, like I that. I can't tell if any of the rest of them are uh, people of color or not, just because of the lighting. <laughs> and also, Chewie's face looks a little uh, small. Strange, yeah. Like his head is big, but his face is small. <laughs> anyway. Predictably, a fight breaks out in this bar, but no one is hurt too badly. The Imperials are present, and one of them, Banner Sumptor, saves Luke. He tells the others he wants people to know it was the Empire who did it, not Swoop Scum. Uh-huh. Sure. Admit it, Banner. You're actually a nice guy. Yeah. Mara isn't thrilled with the bruises that Luke has picked up. Fair enough. He says these kinds of things just kind of happened to him. She disagrees. He says she doesn't get out much with Hong. And she's like, all right, fair He says he should have known this would happen because of his nightmare. She says she'll banish those worries with a kiss. He says she does that just by being here. She asks if he's becoming a romantic. And he says, no, just a husband whose wife inspires him. She says that's what she hopes to do for the rest of their lives. I also can't get on on board with the lovey-dovey talk. It's so sweet! I'm like closing my eyes and cringing. And Tom is like yelling in my face about how sweet sweet. it is. (laughs) And I'm like trying to get away. <laughs> if it was not Luke and Mara, would this be would this be very? Yeah, sweet? I just they haven't brought me there. They haven't okay. taken me to this place. Okay, so is Sackpole getting you there more than Zon did? No, no, because of the how we're, far it's we're still missing the the build up. I'm missing the key steps. I'm not going to get the build up. I'm aware, <laughs> <laughs> but I have to keep registering my disapproval. <laughs> Eventually, I am going to get used to it, but like I'm I'm not there yet. Okay. I'm not okay. I'm not here. Unfortunately, I also just can't imagine Mara saying that she would banish anything with a kiss. It just doesn't like part of the issue is that it, everybody has a different personality when it comes to this like mm-hmm. like kind of love talk stuff. And this to me doesn't fit her. I would have written her differently. Well, the reason I think why it works to me is because she's using words like banish, which is pretty strong language. 
like think banish in a D and D sense. You banish like the fight we had against Luce, against Raphael. Against Lucifer. <laughs> and, and the fight we had against Raphael with Hope helping us, she had a banish spell that just boom. Nick someone from the table until the next long rest, and that saved our bacon. You haven't read enough romance novels. You're right, I haven't. Everybody says stuff like, "I'll neither his stackpole. He has played D and D. That that is not what he's getting at here. I'm just saying he is just copying what everybody writes in a romance novel that they didn't put enough work into. Romance comic, whatever. I'm just saying. I I wanted there. I wanted the flavor of their conversations to still carry the unique elements that make each of them them. And I feel that it's lacking. I think it, it varies on the conversation. Some of them, it, it does feel like them, like they're still a little snippy with each other at times. And some of them, they are, more, I, I think at, the way I come across, they're trying to figure out what the new boundaries are with each other. They do live here. They want to be with each other. So they shouldn't always be at, they weren't at each other's throats necessarily, but they were, they were often, snippy-ish with each other. I think I want to tone that down and kind of figure out where's the new line. You know what would have been great for figuring out new boundaries with each other? If um, they didn't just decide to get married from Stone Cold nothing. Like, you know, have a relationship before having an engagement, before having a marriage. Just a suggestion. I know that I'm clearly like... (laughs) I I don't disagree with you, but just this is the story it's written. I know. And I know that, like, some people would look at our relationship probably and be like, my God, what took them so long? Because we were together for, man, it's been so long that, like, my my math is not mathing. About we, seven years. We were together for seven years before you proposed? No, no, seven years before we got married. Okay, so it was more like five years before you proposed. And even then, after that, we took a fairly long engagement, like... What's the rush, people? Slow down and smell the roses. <laughs> I mean, I, I had a very good reason for waiting. I know, because I was I was younger than you, and at that time I was young enough for it to make a difference. Not that much of a difference. Don't get any ideas, listener. It's just that I was like 21 and he was 25. When we first met, yeah. When we first met, and he was like, mm, <laughs> she needs to cook a little longer. <laughs> well, I mean, I always thought to myself, I didn't want to be married before I was 25. Yeah. And I should extend the same quantity to whoever I might marry. Yeah. And I was not, like, I was just never in a hurry. Yeah. All right. Let's talk the cover of issue number three. What do you see? Luke is solemnly contemplating two other Jedi sparring. I have no idea who they are. Cam and Corin would make a lot of sense. It doesn't quite look like either one of them, but... Well, one of them is back to the viewer, so we can really only see his hair. And, like, just so much of his exposed arm and, like, side. side. Like, he's wearing a shirt that has just been... (laughs) A sideless shirt. A sideless shirt, yeah. But also gloves. Fingerless gloves. (laughs) They both have fingerless gloves on. Yeah. It's a weird fashion choice. And, like, they both have silver lightsabers. Isn't Korn's new one silver after I Jedi? Are these silver? Silver whitish? To me, they look like the, like, New Hope blue. Oh, you think? Yeah. Like, it's kind of, it's a little bit hard to tell, but the perimeter of the lightsabers has a bluish. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Tint. I don't know. He's just got, Luke's just got his hand under his chin, just thoughtfully watching these very burly men spar. 
They're so ripped. Yeah. It's so weird. It's kind of violent for this story, I feel like. I also feel like this is like, this reminds me of a scene that I think was in issue one. Oh yeah, when they were sparring and they were all talking. But I'm like, how is that at all central to the story that's happening here? <laughs> like, why is it worthy of being on the cover? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Issue number three opens much the same as issue number two. Except of Luke, this time it is Mara having the dream. And she's dressed in this weird stormtrooper wedding dress. It's kind of weird and unique and cool. But also still stormtrooper-y. And terrifying. And she dreams that if the Empire had won, she would have been given to the betrayer's son. So Palmer's like terrified, like, oh, this is what would have happened regardless, and she can't fight fate. Yeah. Strange. Um, the betrayer here is Vader. Yeah. Yeah. It's not betrayer's son being Luke, so regardless, she ends up with Luke, regardless of who wins. Yeah, that doesn't seem... It's not a very happy thought. No. But I understand, I guess, why she's afraid of that. Yeah. Moff Takar is not happy that Banner saved Luke. Banner says he was just following the plan, kill Luke at the wedding. He's told that's a plan, not the plan. Sounds like Maul. The plan. Yeah. The <laughs> only plan. Moff Takar's wife says this needs a woman's touch. Look at how women have made the new public miserable. Dala, Isard, and Leonia Tavira. She says she'll focus on the weak point of the wedding, which is the dress. She'll find out who is making the dress and then make the, and then they kill the dressmaker, which will just disrupt and make the wedding not happen, apparently. Is that how that works? In, People can get married without a dress. I mean, I think to some certain uh, hoity-toity circles, the dress is all important. I think that's where she is coming from in this. And she thinks that by, like, pushing on this weak point, it'll, just unravel. it'll, it'll all just unravel. But, like, that works for, like, I don't know. I was going to say idiots in their 20s who are just having a having a celebration because they wanted to have a party, not a marriage. But at the same time, Luke and Mara are kind of idiots in a way. So, yeah. but I'm going to quote not Tony, in this way. I'm going to quote Tony Stark from the Avengers. Not a great plan. No. Mara and her bridesmaids are at the spa. They complain about how injured the men got at the bar. Tion says she's found a ballad to sing at the wedding. Aww. Leia asks if Mara and Luke have finished writing their vows. Mara says they're close, but they keep getting distracted. Mara says sometimes it feels like they're marrying the Empire and the New Republic together. Tion says Mara can't put that kind of pressure on herself or her marriage. Leia says the wedding is about Mara and Luke. That's it. Then why did you announce it to the galaxy? Leia, that's a little rich, given that even you're kind of viewing it as this. You, Yeah. Yeah. Mara feels uncomfortable about how many people will be watching. She's lived in shadows her whole life, so being the center of the hollow is not easy for her. Leia says holocams are like bureaucrats. They're everywhere, and you can just ignore them. After the spa, they all agree to go play sling ball, but not to tell their husbands. But why? The playing part or not telling their husbands part? The second thing. I think it's a pretty violent sport, and after they chastise their husbands for getting into a bar fight... Oh, uh, okay. I like you said the first part, and I was like, "But these are all incredibly violent women." <laughs> like, it's because of earlier how they were complaining. They were about, giving the, yeah. the men crap. Yeah, the men talk and complain about how their wives are so worried about the bar fight. They give Luke advice and say how how there's right and wrong. Get used to being wrong. You know, typical '90s male heteronormativity. Yeah. It's a heck of a drug. <laughs> Han adds he hasn't been right since before he met Luke's sister. Han, 
the last time you were right, you saved Chewie's life from the Empire. You think it's been that long? He's You're right. When, he, right when, when they then? were t- when they were returned at the end of A New Hope to uh, save Luke at the Death Star. He hasn't been right since then. Can you think of a time? I mean, he took on that general commission at Endor without telling anybody. Oh, okay, all right. To be a big okay. hero. All right, he's been right, he's been right a few times. Like, what's the definition of being right here? Like, I don't know. He also did a he did his best to getting them out of the situation at Hoth too. It wasn't like the greatest idea to go to Bespin, but it's no. not really his fault. Luke says he knew Han then. Think further back. So Luke's on my side Luke, of this one. Luke is maintaining the the joke while I'm like over here grumbling about <laughs> it. Luke just doesn't want to disappoint Mara. Han says it's going to happen. It's part of being married. Someone else adds that the key is to learn what Mara wants and stick with it. Don't string disappointments together. Luke says they make it sound like trying to hit a moving target. They all say it's tougher than that. They're all pilots, so... Luke says Yoda said there was no try, only do or do not, and one of them says Yoda wasn't married. (laughs) That I will agree with. Well, yeah, Yoda wasn't married. Yeah, I think Yoda's whole, like, do or do not, there is no try is nonsense, but we all knew that about me already. Yeah. I think some of this advice is amusing. Some of it's good, and again, some of it is very... Just dated. Yeah. Just really dated. It's It comes from this, like, era where it was like, well, men will never understand women, and women will never understand man, men, and the best we can do is just sort of, like... Exist together. Coexist, but awkwardly. What a boring idea of marriage, honestly. Like, what a simplistic... Like, I pity anyone who's living in a marriage like that. <laughs> Talking a big game over here. <laughs> so you're saying you understand me? Yes. Okay. Are you saying I understand you? Yes. Okay. I would say, you know, 95 to 99% of the time. Yeah, I think but... I think that there is no way to ever fully and truly actually know another person because you're never living inside that other person's head. Like, yeah. everyone has weird stuff. Or you might make some minor mistake and forget something like, say, forget the poop bags are in your sweatshirt pocket, and then your poor wife the next morning has to try and find <laughs> them to take the dog out. <laughs> yes, these are minor disappointments, though. <laughs> they're annoying. <laughs> But they're not marriage ending. <laughs> no. <laughs> Takara's wife, Anlis, discovers the adjustment of Jarikin, late of House of Venar. She sends Chick off to kill her. After the Eastling Ball game, Mara is glad to have, met, to have so many friends. They wouldn't talk about how rough the other team played. The, as they leave, though, the other team is on the ground, barely moving, and one of them asks for Bacta. <laughs> that is one of my favorite panels in this. Mara goes to try on her dress. She's very happy with it and says it looks beautiful. Jarikin says the bridesmaid dresses are ready as well. Someone breaks through the window wearing a cobbled together Imperial Guard uniform. He says Mara betrayed the Empire and she must die. After beating him, Mara asks Jarikin to add a lightsaber holster to the dress, which is fair. Yeah. The life they live, it's needed. Yeah. Luke and Mara talk at the end of the day. Luke is concerned over the attack on Mara and she tells him about her nightmare. Mara thinks Luke telling her about his nightmares triggered hers. Luke says it could have been the Force trying to tell them something. Mara says it could be the same wedding jitters that everyone else gets. Mara describes her nightmare in detail to Luke about how he was the Emperor's preacher and she was being given to him. He says both their dreams were about their failures. She asks if they're afraid their marriage will fail. He says he knows that she wouldn't fail their marriage and she says she knows he wouldn't fail their marriage either. 
Together, there is nothing that could defeat us, Mara says. They kiss and say they'll be together forever. Aww. Still no? <laughs> Still no. Okay. <laughs> Since Mara was at the spa that day and Luke heard about the uh, slingball game, he asks her if she saw a gang of female swoopies come in and beat the daylights out of some guys from the champion squadron at slingball. And Mara's like, no, must have missed it. Yeah. <laughs> Takar tells the others the attack on the dressmaker didn't work, and he lays out the next plan for them. He directs Chala to get foot soldiers from the underclasses to be a distraction. He tells Banner to woo the woman coordinating the wedding and learn all the secrets he can about the site and ceremony, and he directs everyone else to their roles. He'll be doing everything else, getting weapons, vehicles, and more. Ah, uh, yes, the old plan. Woo the wedding coordinator to find out what's going to happen. Yeah, surely that will work. Very 90s villain-esque. So weird. And that ends issue number three. Are you ready for the final issue of this miniseries? Yep. All right. So what is on this cover? Chewie, 3PO, Lando, R2, Han, Leia, Luke, Mara. Luke, for some reason, has his hair slicked back. I do not understand. And the, there's a final person in here in it's the card. background. Yeah, I was going to say it must be Card. It's Mara's family. Yeah. Deeply underrepresented, but I mean, she just doesn't have a lot. Yeah. So I'm glad that he, I'm glad that he is there. They're all just sort of gathered around, toasting, holding wine glasses. Luke and Mara holding each other in the front. Yeah. Clearly just have said I do to each other. The smiles, again, on everybody are just... They're the, they at least all look happy. They all look so fixed. Yeah. Like, there's no soul behind those eyes. Leia's especially. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I've been pretty critical of the art, but it has not... Art is very subjective in comics, I have found. And there are some things like, oh, I really like this. People are like, no, I hate this. And I'm like, oh, I don't like this. I was like, I really love this. Like, You know what like... I might dislike the most about this one? Lando? I Yeah, I cannot believe that they think that Lando would wear that combination of colors. Oh, I thought you were talking about Lando's face. His face is also bad, but it's I'm just squished. trying. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty squished. I'm trying to just not look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Chewie's actually, um, remember that earlier cover Chewie looked, not cover, but that earlier panel Chewie looked very Where off. Chewie's face was very small in yeah. his head. Chewie actually, I think, looks very good in this shot. Yeah, Chewie looks fine. It's just humans that this artist has trouble with. Car doesn't look bad because his teeth aren't as prominent yeah <laughs> you also can't see very much of him yeah han looks okay the issue doesn't quite look like han enough if that makes sense yeah like, he's not tall enough like the the, fa- the facial features are off but the facial features are at least do look normal whereas like lando's look a little his head is not proportional to his body either i'm realizing oh his head is too big do you think it's the angle look looking... at how big his head is compared to leia's head yeah <laughs> oh man Something happened here. The more I look at Leia, the more it terrifies me. Yeah, but like, let's stop. Let's (laughs) stop looking at this. It's just getting worse. Han, Luke, and Wedge are at the wedding venue. The two assure Luke that they'll help him get through this next adventure. Luke says he's not anxious about either him or Mara not making it through the wedding, but he does have a vague and unfocused anxiety. Oh, join the club, Luke. (laughs) I always have a vague and unfocused anxiety. (laughs) What do you mean this is the first time you're experiencing that? Not the first time. (laughs) Han doesn't like it when a Jedi talks like this, especially when he's not allowed a blaster. That's fair. Yeah. Wedge says back when they all first met, he never imagined they'd be here together, especially at a wedding. Han adds, especially not at Luke's wedding. Luke hadn't even been kissed back then. (laughs) 
Luke says even after he met Mara, he never imagined this for obvious reasons. Yeah. All over Coruscant, people are getting ready for the wedding. Threpio has to get the solo children dressed. A Good real, luck. A real task. While the Imperials get ready for their attack. People start arriving at the wedding, including Mon Mothma, Card, and Borskphalia. Luke's concerns are becoming more concrete, but still vague as the wedding approaches. Someone was escorting Mon Mothma into the wedding and referred to her as Madam President, which really threw me off. I was like, where in the timeline are we? I thought that she wasn't president anymore. And then you brought up the point that like... You can still call Obama or Bush president, Obama or President Bush, because... Yeah, they've been president, so I guess they keep, get to keep the title, but it yeah. just felt weird to me. The Imperials hijacked the dress, so they're still kind of... Going over this route. ...fixated on this situation. Banner is told to kill Jarikin, but he's hesitant to do so. He decides he can't go through with it and attacks his fellow Imperials instead. Jarikin is able to leave with the dress. We knew he was a good egg. Did we? This entire time, he's been very hesitant about this entire operation. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he's a good egg, or that I knew that he was a good egg. Fair. Like, he had legitimate gripes in terms of he lived under the Empire and things were not going well, and you can blame the Republic for a lot of things not going well when you live in that situation. But once he actually started being active in this the entire time, he was like, I don't like what we're doing. It doesn't feel right. That's why I saved Luke. Yeah. Booster is the one who's been chosen to watch the kids. Finally, a fitting punishment for this man. He had agreed only to watch his own grandson, but has been roped into taking care of pretty much everyone else's. Card says he's never seen Mara so nervous. It's actually refreshing. <laughs> she says as long as the dress gets here, she'll be fine. Jarikin and Banner show up with the dress. Card recognizes Banner from the Red Ranker. Banner says a crazy woman tried to kidnap the dress, but they stopped her. Mara asks if the dress looks okay on her, and Leia says Mara is more beautiful than ever. Card brings Banner to Luke and Han and says they may have some trouble. Banner tells them that being here made him realize he was wrong, and when he was ordered to, he just couldn't kill Jarikin. Unfortunately, he doesn't know the details of the Moth's plan. He does know that he and the others were supposed to be the distractions. Something else is going to happen. Luke is ready to go into action, but Wedge stops him. He says Luke has saved the galaxy enough times. He, Chewie, Tycho, Corrin, Cam, and the rest who aren't in the ceremony will deal with this. I can't believe they're making Chewie deal with this. Poor Chewie. Rude. Briefio and Jason are now the ushers. I kind of love that we're just like, you know what? Relax. You've saved us. Let us save you and you can enjoy your moment. I like that a lot. I feel like Wedge has saved more people than Luke at this point. Fair. But, they, but they've also saved each other countless times over the years. Like, I, I like this. Sure. Countless times that we haven't seen. <laughs> the group splits off to deal with the Swoopies and the group in the ventilation system. The Swoopies attack but are fought off and Chewie takes care of the two in the ventilation system. While all this has been going on, someone has been slinking through the sewer. The moth emerges and puts on an Ithorian costume. Security is distracted with everything going on. The ceremony is about to begin and Luke and Mara are together, but they are interrupted as the moth holds up a detonator and yells that he can't allow this abomination to take place. He says his costume has a datapad and comlink that will download a virus into the new public computers, destroying the communication system, cutting them off from the rest of the galaxy. Luke asks, why here? Why now? And the moth says, because everyone is watching, they'll know it was Luke's actions that doomed them all. All trade between worlds will stop, famine, disease, and poverty, all the things given to the Imperials, they'll have to deal with. Luke says the moth was prote protesting an evil. What was his was taken away. The moth then says he doesn't want charity, he just wants what's his. Luke says he wants to be treated equally and not punished because of his family or status. 
The Moff says, yes. Luke says, congratulations, you want freedom, as does everyone else. <laughs> Luke then says he's become a rebel, and that's okay. They welcome that change in anyone. The Moff then says he realizes that Luke could have kept his thumb off the switch with the Force and asks why he didn't. Luke says if he had, the Moff would still be angry, but if Luke let the Moff get there himself, the door to peace would open for him. Luke says this wedding is about starting a new life, not ending an old one. He then invites the Moff to join them in celebration. Luke says the New Republic is a family. They always have room for new members. Maybe not for Moffs, though. Maybe not for somebody that high up the totem pole. Yeah. While Luke is talking the Moff down, someone asks if the virus thing would have worked. They are told they've been shielded against such an attack since they took Coruscant. <laughs> the first or second time? Either. Probably the second. At least the second. Probably the first. Hmm. Luke and Mara exchange their vows. Han hands over the rings, and Luke and Mara are pronounced husband and wife. The Skywalkers are presented, and around Coruscant, people raise a glass in celebration. The story ends at the reception with everyone dancing. The last lines of the comic are, The Jedi teach us that we are luminous beings, creatures of light. That light shines most brightly in those bound together in love, forever without end. Which is a different interpretation of the Force than I, we are sometimes familiar with. Frankly, I like this interpretation better most of the time. I do too. Like One of my favorite parts of the EU is the fact that because the 90 authors weren't tied to the prequel doctrine that we are so familiar with, they did things that were, frankly, completely opposite of what the Jedi Order of Old would have said. And then when they eventually realized, oh, this is actually what the prequels are saying, they could say that, no, they were doing things different and better. And that's one of my issues with new canon Luke, is he follows too close to the old doctrine a little too closely for my taste at times. Too close to the old doctrine a little too closely? Mm-hmm. Is that enough closelys for you? I can put more if you want me to. No. <laughs> so what'd you think? It was fine. It wasn't for me, I think is what ha- what happens here. Is that more because you're still on the Luke and Mara train? Was it because it was a comic that you weren't a, and you aren't a huge comic reader? Was it the art itself? Was it the, the layout? Because I know you struggle with the layout at times. I mean, you've all you've listed great, great points. All okay. of them. All of them are true. Um, yeah, I do have trouble with comics as a medium, some more than others. The layout in this one was really, really rough for me. Um, I had a hard time following the action and the order in which dialogue was spoken. <laughs> yeah, it was not always the clearest comic I've ever read. But, I mean, I could have forgiven a lot of stuff if the content was something that I was on board with, and I can definitely imagine a scenario where I would have been really hyped about this content. If if you ha- if Luke and Mara had a better foundation, do you think you would have enjoyed this comic a lot more? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, So sure. it, it was less the comic itself and more what came before with the issues. Yep. Okay. I also don't like the interpretation of their relationship here. I know that they can't go on being at each other's throats forever. I'm not expecting that. But I expected their, like, connection and relationship and the way they talk to each other to be a little bit more unique and less just, like, kind of baseline Valentine's Day fluff stuff. Okay. Um, It is Valentine's Day. Yeah, but we didn't have to, like, go so hard on the C's candy and the teddy bears. Like, (laughs) we could have... uh, just throw in something a little bit more interesting in there. I feel like actually my biggest complaint, if we're setting aside all of the other stuff, is that I felt like they didn't actually spend a lot of time together in this comic. No, it they was were more, separate for yeah, much of it. it. 
which I wonder if they were trying to kind of mirror, like, going into the wedding, you're not supposed to see each other, right? You're supposed to... What, for months? Apparently. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. No, but like, I, I like the scenes of Mara with the women, Luke with the men, but I would like more of them together. I agree. I wanted this to be a lot, especially because we didn't get the foundation that I wanted in the Hand of Thrawn duology. I wanted this to be a lot more about them ironing out like the parameters of their relationship and in the lead up to the wedding, figuring out how they actually are together. And I don't feel like we saw that, which was disappointing. Sorry. What about you? What did you think? So it was actually to me nice to actually finally see a wedding in Star Wars. Here's what I mean by that. Think back to, I know you don't like the book, Courtship of Princess Leia. No, my brain is burning. Think back to Back to War. Corrin and Merrick's wedding. Mm-hmm. What did both of those two events have in common with each other? They're just really rushed. We don't see the yeah. event itself. So for me, it was really nice getting Well, it. in Courtship, we saw like a glimpse of it. Right, but not. we saw the very beginning and 3PO arrives to it late. So I, I really appreciate that we actually finally got to see a major wedding event in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. At, this point in time, we've, we've of course seen Han and Leia's wedding in Princess and the Scoundrel in New Canon, but just in terms of the EU, like we skipped the weddings itself. So it was it was nice to see in this regard. I like that about it. I feel like my one complaint is that the wedding seems so similar to like Earth stuff, <laughs> Western Earth weddings. <laughs> like I wanted there to be some ceremony component that was really unique and different. Do you think the that maybe pulled from like luke's heritage on tatooine or you know maybe during the course of the comic mara could have looked for like where she really came from and what what something meaningful could have been from her background to pull into the ceremony and they it just felt like the most like hallmark movie of weddings did did you did you like the uh the first wedding with just the jedi more in that case yes because it was a little bit more unique but i still thought it was still pretty cookie cutter there was not, like, the crystal thing was cool. Yeah. I like a good crystal. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> I mean, who who that indulges in fantasy literature doesn't like a good crystal? They're right. everywhere. <laughs> Fair enough. I also want to talk about Luke and the Moff at the end. Luke convincing Moff to car to stand down is frankly hokey and kind of ridiculous. Truly, the Empire is down to the dregs of its... And if it was people, anyone else, I would not have liked this scene. But this is this is wholesome, naive, stupid Luke coming through and talking someone down, and it just works for me because Luke is the one doing this. Okay, like if like if Wedge or Han had tried to do this, a it wouldn't have worked, but b if if it someone succeeded, I wouldn't have believed it for a second. Yeah, but because it's Luke, you can just feel the the genuineness coming off of him what he's saying and how that could actually convince others to stand down and not do something bad. And I, and I like that he didn't force Takara on or keep the thumb off, but uh, let him come to that realization himself. It was fine for me. <laughs> <laughs> didn't love it. Didn't hate it. Just thought that everybody who's left in the empire must have a really low wisdom save. Yeah. <laughs> You talked about only the art and these four issues, and for me, it was fine. Not spectacular, not terrible. It really didn't bother me. It wasn't distracting for the most part. And as long as they are except not, for Bruce Willis, well, that's yes, that's <laughs> the one thing I have to point out. Cam Solis stars Bruce Willis. I have no he idea. He had a design before. Like, yeah, he had a design in Dark Empire. What are they doing? <laughs> I have no idea how or why this happened, but just there were some pages. It was incredibly distracting. It's all you can look at. <laughs> 
It's like John McClane is in what? this comic. Where's Hans Gruber? <laughs> <laughs> like that, that, that's my single biggest complaint about the art is him. But it's also something funny to look back and laugh at over the years. So I've come to not forgive it, but laugh at it. I think my biggest complaint about the art, besides the fact that sometimes there were group shots where I was supposed to know who everyone was and I had no idea because they all had same face, yeah. is... Or not all, the same face, but not unique enough face. All of the dresses that Mara tried on that she didn't like were more interesting than the dress that she ends up with. The dress that Jari Ken makes for her is so boring. It looks straight out of the 80s. Like... It's just like the white gloves and the like embroidered flowers. And it just doesn't feel like her at all. I wanted her to have a much more dramatic dress. I actually like that she didn't go for one of the more ridiculous dresses. went for something it doesn't, simple. It doesn't have to have been one of the dresses that she didn't like. I just wanted Jarikin to just to like make a dress that better captures Mara. Okay, that's fair. I think I agree. I don't love this dress, but I like this better than the other dresses you tried on for her. I really like that ridiculous the bird purple one. one. The bird one, yeah. I didn't feel like it was very her, but yeah, like, I expected I thought it was a cool to, dress, but just Mara would never. I just expected her to have a much... Like, I wanted her to be able to carry some of her personality, the, like, living in the shadows thing, into this ceremony, and instead she looks like every 25-year-old who got married in 1984. It's just boring. Sorry uninspired and finally i just want to say sack paul's written a lot of comics over the years and so far before this we've obviously only read his novels for the podcast so it was just i think he's a better novelist than he's a comic book writer but still it was nice to read something by him in a different medium yeah he did fine i don't i i mean i well should i say that did he do fine just you know putting more 90s heteronormativity out into the world I don't know if he did fine, <laughs> I, I but I don't know that anyone at the time would have done any better. Yeah, that's like, and the foundation was always going to be missing. So I don't know. I guess it was fine. You can tell by how resentful I sound that I'm not sure about that. So you know, take that from that what you will. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day! Happy Valentine's Day! <laughs> Thankfully, our marriage had a foundation. Yes, so I don't have to complain about that. <laughs> well, that concludes our discussion of Star Wars Union issues number one through four. Next up, we'll be returning to Tales from Dollar's Palace and discussing A Free Quarren in the Palace, Tessic's Tale, written by Dave Wolverton. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> You've actually liked his short stories better than his novel. That's true. As long as he doesn't touch Leia or Han, I can kind of get over it. Han should be in Carbonite for this, most of the story, if not all of it. Well, thank God. You can look forward to that coming out in just a few days on February 18th. Wow, it's a busy month for us. Yep. Thanks to Thomas for editing. And thanks to Crystal for going on this crazy idea. And thanks to you for listening. If you have thoughts about Star Wars, let's not go crazy. <laughs> you can email us at tk331podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter slash X at tk331podcast. Send us a zeet or whatever they're calling them these days. It's a tweet. <laughs> If you like this podcast, tell a friend, tell a family member. If you didn't like it, tell a rival. I don't know. It's Valentine's Day. Include us one of your Valentine's you're giving out. Yeah, just, you know, burn this episode onto a <laughs> CD and Brown give it romantic. to the person that you hope will be your Valentine. 
and watch how that goes for you. I mean, Let the, me la- know. the last Valentine's episode we did a couple of years ago would actually probably be better for that. Oh, the Han Leia comic. Yeah. Yeah. That one was silly. It was. But there's nothing wrong with silly. No, there's not. I just remember the one shot when, like, the door opens and their hair is just, like, blowing around <laughs> in the horrible frigid breeze and they've been found. And, yeah. It was. It just felt very silly. And now, here it is, your moment of Star Wars. Welcome, my brother and sister Jedi. Today we have a great honor to celebrate the coming together of Mara Jade and our master, Luke Skywalker. Their bond with one another was forged through the Force and strengthened by it, so that their efforts together could be stronger than the efforts of any two other Jedi. It was once thought that emotional attachments would make a Jedi vulnerable, but these two so complete each other that only strength will flow from this union.